You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 241. I am Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. That wasn't as much excitement as I put into mine. I'm like, I'm um, Tim Robertson. Yeah, well, it's early in the morning here. It's <laughs> late in the day here. I'm sorry. It's, only, it's 11 a.m. here. Yeah. It's not early. Right, I've, I've been up for like five hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. I would like That's to sleep crazy, in, crazy. but I woke up at like quarter to six, and I just kind of tossed and turned a few times in bed, and I was just like, okay, I'm not going back to sleep, so I might as well just get up. And So I did, came downstairs, had a cup, well, actually two cups of coffee in my tech fan coffee mug, and then took my shower, came out of the shower, and there's Cole. Hi, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, um, I'm not like that, unfortunately. I used to be the sort of person who could get up and then go through the day and would never sleep through in the day and um, could get up early. But as I've gotten older, I just get more and more tired and I could sleep <laughs> 23 hours out of 24. I, I, I wish sometimes, I could. I sometimes see, hear about those people who have narcolepsy and think, that's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, I'm just a few blinks away from that. So Exactly, yeah. I, I'm, I don't. I like to go to bed between 10.30 and 11, if possible, but usually it's closer to 11.30. And I'm if I sleep past 6 o'clock, well, if I, if I sleep past 7 o'clock, I'll have a splitting headache for hours. Right. My body just doesn't want to continue to sleep after a certain point. It's like, no, you, dude, you need to get up. I don't know what's going on with that, man. You know, I used to be stay up all night, sleep really late in the morning, all that. And then I yeah. worked for the post office. And uh, I, I remember, well, when you work at the post office, you got to get there early. And for a yeah. while, I actually lived in a, a small apartment underneath a dentist office. I think it was a dentist office. Yeah, a dentist office in Marshall, Michigan. So that was even farther away. So I had to wake up even earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, ever since that job, I've always been kind of a morning person. You've been raped by the post office. You know, wouldn't be the first time a company ruined me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what's funny? What's that? On the weekends, usually on Saturday, I will go to MyMac.com and I'll go through some archive stuff to find something that I call weekend reading. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know the whole throwback Thursday thing is a thing now. But I, I yeah. like I still like doing it on the weekend. I started doing it a little bit for my Mac on Thursdays, but yeah, we we have new content usually on Thursdays. So on the weekend, it's the site's pretty quiet, no new articles and stuff like that. So I kind of like finding some of these little old hidden gems. And look, we've got twenty one years of material, so there's a lot yeah. of it. And I'll post it up on Facebook, and then I'll post it a few times on Twitter. And uh, you know, it's just kind of neat stuff. Well, today I posted a MyMac episode from uh, from way back in the day. I think it was number 70. Uh, it was Chad Perry and I's uh, interview with Gil Emilio. I don't remember that. Yeah. So I posted that one as mm-hmm. the Weekend Archive. And on a lark, I just kind of went back through a couple episodes of the MyMac podcast. And I found something interesting. Now, we're recording episode 206, or 241 here on TechFan. Yeah. Do you know what was significant about my Mac podcast number 269? Uh, let me think. Let me think. Uh, no. <laughs> that was my last episode of officially hosting that show. Right. It was you, me, Chad Perry, and Guy Searle. It was actually two episodes. It was part one and part two. So 269 was the last one that I actually hosted the MyMac podcast. Now, I've been on the show a couple times since then, but that was the last one. But here's the funny thing. So we're at 241 here on TechFan, and that was 269. So I did more MyMacs, right? Yeah. Except I've done TechFan longer than I did MyMac now. Really? Yeah, because we... When we were doing like Macworld Expos, we would have like four episodes in one week. Right. I did the dates. I did the MyMac podcast for five years. 
a little less than five years, technically. I have done Tech Fan. This is our sixth year, dude. It's not a sixth year because this is still the new show. <laughs> In my head, it's still the new show. Isn't that crazy? It is, yeah. You and I have been doing this much longer than I did Tech Fan with either Guy, Chad, or you. Wow. And you're by far the longest, not just because of Tech Fan, but you and I hosted the MyMac podcast for yeah. a year or so before I left. Yep. And you stayed for a little bit after I left until mm-hmm. Gaz came in. Yeah. But you and I have podcasted longer than by far anybody else I have podcasted with. Wow. And it extends beyond just Tech Fan. We hosted the MyMac show together. Yep. And Geeky Show ever. And the Geek. Well, that was for a little while. I mean, that show is coming up on 200 now. Yeah. Um, and it's still going. Mark and those guys still do that show every week or every two weeks sometimes, but that, it's still going. But here's the funny thing. We started Geekiest Show Ever, what, like a, two years before I left my Mac, and it was just a, an outgrowth of we were bored of talking just Mac stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started Geekiest Show Ever, and that show is just now reaching 200, and Tech Fan is already at 241. Yeah. And yet Geekiest Show Ever has been around longer. Yes, yeah, so it, it had some hiatus time, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And And if you consider our history... We've done Tech Fan, we've done MyMac, and we did Geeky Show Over. So that's three different shows. Yeah. Um, how, how come the internet is not bored of us yet? You would think they would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been fun, though. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I don't get sick of podcasting. No, not at all. I, I love it. It's such a fun thing to do. The weird thing about it is that, you know, we've been doing it a long time. So to us, it's kind of... It's part of what you do. It's part of the internet. It's part of technology. It's part of all these different things. And yet, there's so many people I come across now who still don't know what, what podcasting really is. It is. Understanding. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's it. We all kind of thought at the beginning that we'd become kind of main, so mainstream in the way that things like Facebook and Twitter have become mainstream, and it just hasn't. It, you know, it's it's still kind of a niche, yep, hidden type of thing. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Well, I, I, I'm not saying I, I mind one way or the other, really. It's, I mean, let's be honest, sort of, though. If it would have became, become super mainstream, as we thought it would, or at least we hoped that it would be, it would probably be our full-time job because we were so early in the industry. Yeah. But here we are, still broke and doing these shows for free, David. So I'm, I'm sure when we're in our 50s, we're, we're going to be in the, um, you know, we're going to have a second career. Yeah, absolutely. As, uh, well, wait, as, that's only four years away for me, man. <laughs> Same with you. Late fifties. Okay, late fifties. Yeah. Ah, uh, time flies when you're having fun, huh? Yeah. Like, I've, I've also, I mean, I'm nearly the same as you. I was forgetting that she's only four years, not fifty. Dude, you know, <laughs> when I recorded the very first episode of the MyMac podcast, I was twenty nine. Mm. Think about I've I've done podcasting all the way through my thirties, and all the way through my forties now. I've been podcasting like sixteen years. Yeah. See, do you ever 17. do? Do you ever do the thing where you kind of sit down, you get some quiet time, uh, sometimes, sometimes just before you go to sleep, and you actually kind of go through your memories and think about something. In, I mean, not just oh, I remember that, but you actually visualize something in detail from you know very early in your life. Um, I do that sometimes, and and I was doing that the other day. Uh, and I was thinking about actually I was thinking about times I spent in Florida when I was a kid, and then I started thinking about how I spent my time compared to how I spend my time nowadays. Not I'm not talking about work and that sort of thing. I'm talking about my leisure time, and it, and it just made me realise how much of uh, most of what I do now is stuff that never that didn't even exist back then. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, uh, that... and how weird it would be if you could go back in oh. time to that thing. It would be so strange because you'd be sit there and you probably would take a while to accommodate it because you were thinking, oh, I, I can't check my phone. I can't check the internet. The internet doesn't exist. <laughs> you'd, you'd think you'd be extremely bored, but yet we weren't. No. I mean, there was technology in our lives. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I loved my Atari 2600. I loved my NES. I, you know, those were tech things that I used a lot. I loved my boom boxes. Oh my God, how much I loved my stereo equipment. You know, there was always some kind of a, a tech thing 
around what I was doing. But it's been such a gradual build. And to go along with that, though, David, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I had more tech items than I do now because they were all kind of single purpose things. Yeah. You know, not too long ago, we all had little handheld camcorders. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we don't have those anymore. It's just part of our phone. So, yeah, it's a weird thing. I just bought uh, for my daughter. We're we're going to uh, Florida next week. So uh, I just bought for my daughter a a cheap handheld camera, you know, kind of point-and-shoot camera. Yeah. And I didn't go out and and buy a new one. I I went and bought kind of what was something that was fairly cutting-edge in point-and-shoots about seven, eight years ago. And I paid about 20 quid for it. It was buttons, really. It's, you know, it's nothing. But I figured if I'm going to get her a camera, why not get her a decent camera? Because you can go to the store and you can get cameras aimed at kids. And I sure. they're cheap they're plastic, plastic lenses, take terrible pictures. Yep. I figured, no, let's get her a proper camera. And then she can really enjoy the pictures she takes with it. And, yeah, for not a lot of money. Um but but that that and and so I anyway I did this I mentioned it to my wife and she, and of course you know when you've got two kids it's always like well what how's the other kid gonna feel and I said look you know he's got his phone he can he can take pictures with his phone he'll probably enjoy taking pictures with his phone more than having a dedicated camera you know and and but that that to me kind of illustrates the difference I mean I wouldn't go out and buy my six year old uh, a, a phone nowadays just so she could take pictures but once you've got the phone you don't need the the dedicated camera anymore well that's be uh, yes but for me i don't have to do that because i still have every single one of my old iphones i've never got rid of any of them i still keep them charged i still have the original iphone from 2007 which the kids by the way never even care to play with because you can't do anything with it yeah but every phone that they have they have a video camera he plays with a uh, a black four and she plays with my white 4S. And it was kind of funny today that we were looking at, Cole wanted to see some of the pictures and stuff from our Washington, D.C. trip, which was, I mean, Cole is uh, eight now. He was three, so it was five years ago. Yeah. And in one of the photos, it's rare if you see me in some of the photos because I'm the one always taking pictures. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they invented the selfie for, so you can, <laughs> the guy taking the pictures can actually be in a couple of the pictures. Um, you see me on my phone. So Julie took a picture with her phone and I'm yeah. holding the white 4S in that picture. And I told Cole, I said, you see the phone I'm holding right there? And he goes, yeah. And I, and I pointed to the white 4S on the shelf and I said, that's it right there. That's one uh, Brooke uses all the time. And he was just amazed by that, that that phone is that old and it still looks like it's, I don't want to say brand new, but it's in excellent condition. It still works great. It still holds its charge really well. Brooke uses it almost every day. And yet, there it was five years ago. Mm. That's it's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it is cool. It, it does amaze me with smartphones, iPhones in particular, that you still see people walking around with them all smashed up and they're still using them. Well, yeah. I could literally, if something happened to my 6S or my 6 Plus, I could literally, it's a different SIM, but I could put a new SIM in that 4S and and use it just fine. Yeah. I mean, it takes good pictures. Hell, it takes better pictures than the Kindle that I've got that we talked about last week. Um, it's You can still use um, most apps on it. GPS is on it. Plays music just fine. I could, I could use that 4S pretty comfortably right now, except for one major drawback. And you know what that is? size when you get used to a six plus yeah a four s oh my god it's it, you're like how how did i ever use this it's too tiny and yet the rumor is is that apple are going to introduce very shortly a new small phone what do you think about that i i think if they're going to do it they must have they must appreciate there's a market for it i i the, the difficulty is people are assuming i was smaller uh, it must be uh, cheaper, so it's going to be. I don't think Apple does cheap phones. I don't think it would be cheaper. But uh, you know, I, I I see a lot of the five C around. I think that was pretty popular. It, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a market for people who don't want phones quite that large. I think there's a huge market for it. Um, my wife 
doesn't care about. She's kind of getting to the point now where she kind of does want a new iPhone because she's got my 5s, mm-hmm. and she's been using that since I got my six plus what a year and a half ago at this point. Yeah. And, you know, there's times it seems a little bit slower and, and she's doing a lot of design work using that phone with her uh, circuit board, the cutter for yeah. vinyl. It, she does it literally on her iPhone. And so I think a, a six would probably suit her better. It's a bigger screen. It's a better screen. It's a much faster phone. She wouldn't like to go as far as the six plus. No, she the, when I got the six plus. It was the very first iPhone that that she looked at, and she goes, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's just too big for her. But I don't know why she thinks it's too big for her. She thinks it looks silly when she holds it up to her head to make right. a phone call, which is hardly ever because she's got her own phone. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, she she keeps it in a case, just like I do, and then it's sitting on a table or sitting on her laptop uh it's in her purse. She doesn't put it in her pocket like you and I would. Yeah. So I don't know why a larger phone would be such a drawback for her. She'd have a much larger screen, especially compared to the 5S. I don't know. She just she thinks it's silly. She thinks it's just too big. Well, you know what? I think, as you say, most people don't put phones in their heads now. But I know people who have big phones. Heck, I had... I had a, that Nokia Lumia that had the screen that was large as the 6S. I, you feel self-conscious when you put it to your head to make a call. First couple of times you do it, and then you forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly if, you, if there are other people around with with equivalent phones. You know, yeah, the and, first time uh, you saw the big eye, the big galaxies from Samsung, that looked kind of silly. Yeah, but now, do you even notice what size no, someone's not, phone is? I don't. Not, not really. In fact, you tend to notice more if it's a small one. You do, or and I actually saw this just recently. I was at a gas, I was at the uh, local gas station I go to, and uh, I was waiting in line. They got a new computer system that's slowing everything down, and the owner of the gas station is so upset at Shell. He even has right. this television above this flat screen, um, basically asking customers to call this number and complain. Right. Uh, anyways, the guy right in front of me had a flip phone. I saw him open it up, flip it out. Reply to a text on it, close it, put it back in his pocket, and I was like, "Wow, a flip phone, really?" Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, but he probably has has charged it once a week. <laughs> there is that. I bet he gets a lot better cell reception than I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe though, maybe those back in the day when we were doing one, you know, one device for one thing, maybe that was actually the right idea. <laughs> There is something to be said for that, David. I mean, a purpose-driven device is usually a lot better than a multi-device yeah. product, like printers. Now, you could get the all-in-one. It's a, it's a scanner. It's a fax machine. It's a printer. And you can read you know, the little card reader in it. And, yeah. and they're usually pretty decent. But if you spend the same amount of money for just a printer chances are just that printer is a lot better yeah so it's funny you say that a couple of weeks ago my son had um um my sorry my daughter has has they, they have this thing at the school where they send a, a teddy bear home over the weekend and you have to do a diary of what the teddy bear does and every kid in the class takes it one weekend of the year um so so and there's this this journal which you know the amazing ventures of the teddy bear um with all these different stories and you know it's kind of a kindergarten sure. primary school type thing so anyway she was very excited she had she had brian the bear for the weekend so we had to go and do things and we took lots of pictures and everything uh and then then she said she said well i need to need to write write the journal on sunday night because we have to give it back on monday morning the thing is, we don't have a printer set up at the moment because we've, we've only just got a desk for our computer and I haven't set the computer up yet. So while we were out on the Sunday afternoon, we were at a shopping mall. So we actually went and just uh, we, we took – I had the picture on my phone. So we went into – they have a kind of a booth thing in there where you can just send connect your phone to the, to the booth send the photos over, do the editing there on the booth and just print them out there and there. And it was, it was cheap. It was, you know, a couple of, couple of pounds for six or seven photos. And kind of, I'd never done that before. I, it, I my eyes, I thought, 
well, I'm never going to I'm never going to do photos at home anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to print them out at home anymore when it's so cheap to get professional looking results here. They look like they've been well, they look like they've been developed like the old 35mm photos yeah, did. And you can get it quality it's dirt cheap. Yeah, but the quality of them was so far better than anything I could print at home. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, why would I ever, if I ever need like a proper printout of a photo, I can get on quality photo paper. It looks like a proper photo, not the kind of rubbish that I normally turn out at home. What was the place? Uh, it was Boots. Boots. Um, you find the boots.com, but the, all the supermarkets and everything do this here now. They, um, basically, this is. The, you know all, all the all the all the pharmacies and supermarkets used to have a developing lab in the corner for doing thirty five mil prints. And yeah, stuff we've like got that. Walgreens here yeah, that exactly. Yeah. So now what they've done is they've just all gone digital, and they, and a lot of them I've seen have these self service booths where you just plug your phone in, or they, you can put a memory card in, or a USB stick, uh, and it just loads your photos onto their system. They've got a kind of a front end that allows you to do basic cropping and editing and that sort of thing. Put banners and stuff around it if you want to and then just print them straight out and they drop straight out the bottom and how much did it cost uh, as i say i think we did six or seven photos and it cost just just less than two pounds so. i mean that's nothing yeah wow you know it's I'm, crazy I'm, I'm, i mean and ink is not cheap but no epson started this thing i think it was epson i'm gonna say epson because it sounds right um uh, uh, refillable ink basically they're really embracing this new technology that everyone's been doing for 15 years anyway. <laughs> because they were ripping us off with the ink. Right, point. exactly. <laughs> and for those who don't know, printing has been a scam in the technology market for 15, 20 years now. They will sell this printer dirt cheap, 125 bucks, uh, and sometimes even cheaper for a decent printer. And then... Shortly after buying it, your ink runs out because the ink that they ship these things with are not even half full. Yes, starter cartridges. Yes. So you run out and you get the number off the cartridge. You go to the store, Amazon, you you got got to refill it. And some of these, there's only two cartridges. There's a a multicolor one and a black one, right? Yeah. Although some of them, it could be up to like, I've seen some that's like 12 cartridges. Dark magenta, red. You know, yellow, green, dark yeah, blue. Yeah, sometimes blue. they have. Sometimes they'll have five color cartridges, um, and then the kind of a finishing cartridge that gives it a glossy thing, and then two different types of black. There'll be a a black for color, and then a black for printing words. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. So you go and you go to buy the ink, and you're like, "Wow, just to replace the ink in this thing is seventy dollars." Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous, and it was such a scam. And then people figured out, okay, if I buy this little kit that's basically a syringe, I can inject new color into these cartridges and just continue to use them, and it's a lot cheaper. So that became a thing for a long time. But here's the rub. The printer companies, Epson, HP, uh, Lexmark, all the big ones, quickly figured out, you know what? We're not making as much money now because our the way we are ripping people off isn't working. They got too smart. Yeah, because so, it's the razor blade model. Right. So they yeah. put a they put a chip in the printer or in the cartridge itself that would read levels a lot of times incorrectly because there would still be some in there even though it was reporting that it was empty and it was still a quarter full. Mm. And so if you try to refill it, the computer chip in it would not allow that to print. It would continue telling the printer, nope, we're out of ink. We're out of ink. Yeah. Basically, they, they, you know, it's like Mission Impossible. This cartridge will self-destruct after 100 pages. And pretty much that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what they did. I mean, yeah. it, it, and, and, I, and, and there was somewhere where actually it was almost like the cartridges had expiration dates in. Yes. Where they just said, oh, I've been used for too long now, so it doesn't matter what you do with me. I'm never going to – even if even – if, You've, I've been sat in the printer and you barely used me. I'm not going to work anymore. You need to replace me. And there were some printers that wouldn't accept third-party ink cartridges at all because uh, like Epson or HP or somebody would not sell them the chips, the decoder chips that's on the that's on the ink cartridge. So you yep. could only buy ink from HP or Epson or dot, dot, dot. 
it was a huge scam, and I'm, I'm amazed to this day that no one ever took him to court over this. Because to me, it seems totally illegal. Yeah, but you could get—I mean, you could get some printers that actually use tanks of ink rather than, you know, kind of having the head in, and those those were a little bit better because basically, as a tank, they couldn't do all the electronic jiggery pokery exactly. that you could do with a full cartridge with the electronic head in it. And and actually, for a long time, I would always recommend to people. I said, I would always say, well, if you don't need color. Um, don't buy an inkjet printer. Buy a cheap laser jet, yep. a cheap laser, because um, it'll last a lot longer. You won't have that thing where you haven't used it for a while, and then you turn it on, and the first few sets of prints won't print because the heads are blocked, and it needs to clean itself or anything like that. Um, completely utterly reliable, much faster, much better quality than you get out of an inkjet printer. Um, I and, had uh, a, I think it's a Brothers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a brother's inkjet printer or a, a laser printer that I used for about a year, and I just didn't really have a need for it because I had another one. Mm-hmm. And so I either gave it to Guy Searle or he gave me like a hundred bucks for it. I mean, it, it was a very expensive printer though, yeah. and I had never changed the uh, uh, what do you call it the, uh, the toner cartridge. Toner cartridge. Thank you. I'd never yeah. changed it. It was the one that came from the factory when they sent it. And so I gave it to Guy Searle. Uh, he drove it home. It was a big printer, too. And that was, I'm going to say maybe Macworld 2008 or nine. He still uses it, and he still hasn't replaced the uh, cartridge. Yeah. It's still going strong. The, and the reason for that is that inkjet, uh, laser, jet print, laser printers, keep calling it LaserJet because it's uh, that's the HP brand name yeah. for them. Um, laser printers are designed to be used mainly in businesses, and businesses will not tolerate these sort of consumer-led shenanigans that the no, exactly, yeah. And but the last time Guy and I talked about that printer, he was amazed because he still hasn't done any. It still prints fine. I think it was a color laser too, yeah. Which is the real surprise that it's still is still printing great, and it's he and, hasn't and done actually, anything. If you, look, if you look online now, you'll find that color lasers have dropped to the point to the price where you'd be dumb to buy an inkjet printer. You know, which is why the, all the modern jets now all have all these extra functions in, like the scanners and everything like that, because otherwise nobody would buy them. So it really comes down to a, the buying advice of Tim and David. Yep. Buy a laser printer if you're doing a lot of document printing. Yeah. It will cost more initially, but long term, you're going to save so much money. It's going to it, a. It's going to print a whole lot faster. It's it, there's no comparison. And b. So that when the consumables run out, which is going to take three times longer than a, another one will, uh, they're actually cheaper to buy. Yeah, and you and the toner cartridge and the laser printer, you can refill quite easily. Yeah. Um, you can buy a bottle of toner, and you can just open up the side and pour it in. But and- be aware. The toner for a laser printer is almost like baby powder. Uh, you do not want to spill that stuff. You do. Did I ever tell you that story on that? <laughs> no. It's like, I can imagine. So I picked this job as an IT manager, and uh, it was a design company. It was a design studio. And we had uh, color laser printers, but these are big commercial ones. Now, on one of these that we had, you could open it up and you could refill and you know put it back together and mm-hmm. you're good to go. Yeah. But we had these Xerox ones that you you simply replace these canisters. You didn't open them. But it kind of looked like you did. It had like almost a tape thing around the edge. So one day it runs out of like black, so I'm going to replace you know the toner. And I can't unscrew this I pull the canister out and I can't unscrew it. And I'm like, well, that's that's really weird. My boss, a guy named Ed, comes over and he goes, what's the problem? He's the head of the studio, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell him I can't get this thing open. And and <laughs> he says, here, I'll get it open. Now, now, Ed was a tall guy. He had graying hair, wore really long, but in a ponytail. And he had kind of a Buffalo Bill type of mustache that like covered his lips and everything right 
and he wore glasses, mm-hmm. uh, and he had a goatee, but he had a lot of hair on his face. So he starts struggling with this, and I look back at the, the printer, and I'm thinking, you know what? This isn't one you refill. This is one that I just replaced the canister. So I turn around to tell him that, and he gets the lid off. And even though it wouldn't print anymore, there's still quite a bit of that stuff inside of it. Yeah. And it It literally exploded right in his face. Just this poof. (laughs) Didn't make any sound other than him actually opening it. But the rush of air of him pulling it off really hard sucked every particle out of this. And this completely black, baby powderish stuff just whoosh right in his face and it was like a cloud around his head and he kind of (coughs) a few times and then pulls off his glasses and he looked like a raccoon i swear to god (laughs) it was the it was one of the funniest things and i felt bad but i laughed so hard and there was like three people there that saw it and everyone was laughing so even he had this and then he smiled and remember, he had this big bushy mustache. You couldn't really see his mouth when he talked, but he yeah. smiled, and you could see his teeth. And his teeth were just like <laughs> beacons of light. Man, it was uh, so funny. That's funny. But the thing is, is that I mean, it's so tough to clean. It's it it's not water soluble. It's almost like hydrophobic. So you and, it, and a vacuum cleaner doesn't seem to want to pick it up very well. well and if it well, does, it blows right back out. Yeah, that's the problem. It's it the way it works is it's statically charged. So yes. if you've got any charge, a vacuum cleaner won't suck it up. And yeah, if it does, the particles are so small they just go straight out through the bag of the vacuum cleaner and straight yep. back out to the air. Yep, <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah, it, oh, it was it was it was so funny, but yep. it was very memorable. Yeah. Now I, I'm looking on Amazon here. I'm seeing color laser printers for round about 120 pounds. Yeah. So it's about less than $200. Dude, I have... What is this? It's a... Uh, hold on, let me... i got to take my headphones off a look. Um, uh, all right, I'm going to talk from a distance. This is a Samsung black and... Well, black and white, black. Uh, laser printer no. Express. You can look this up while I... I, and I can't hear you, Dave. Yeah. I don't have my headphones on. So Samsung Express, model number... Um, M. I got to get my glasses. Too small. M twenty twenty W. So Samsung Express M twenty twenty. How much is that? Do you find it? Uh, yep. Well, here over here in the UK, it's less than hundred pounds. Yeah. So probably yeah, probably about hundred twenty, hundred thirty dollars. No, it wasn't even that much here. Yeah. Um. Sam Song M twenty twenty. Um seventy five bucks here in the yeah. US. Yeah, i we have actually two of these. Uh and it's a wireless printer too, so uh I can print from my iPhone to this printer. Yeah. Um Brittany needed a printer for her college work. So I just bought her another one of these. Yeah. I mean, it works so well here. For me, I was like, well, she can just I'm just going to spend one of the the money for one of these. And I actually think I when I bought mine it was 75 bucks. When I bought hers, uh it was actually on sale for like 49 bucks and I was so tempted just to buy two of them. I'm like, yeah. And uh I have had to replace the the cartridge in mine though. And the cartridge was like almost 50 bu- or uh, almost 20 bucks. Yeah. So I I'm still less than 100 bucks for a black and white printer and most of the time that we print, it's black and white. Yeah, yeah. You don't need. I mean, for anything with the written word, you don't need color. No. Um, I know. don't get me wrong. I like printing photos on nice glossy paper and hanging them on the wall. If you come into my house, my yeah. hallway on the right hand side, the long hallway, is just full of family photos. The kids at various ages, school pictures. You know, you get the class pictures every year from yeah. the kids. All of those, um, some snapshots that we've taken over the years and frames that like hold multiple pictures and stuff like that so i like those kind of things on a wall i think it's it's a, it's so much more personal than just yeah. a slideshow on your screen or your apple tv or whatever running through a slideshow but i would i would say that it's good it, 
no matter how many of those you do, unless you're a unless you're a, a graphic designer or, or an artist or something, the uh, amount you need if you just print and put them up around the house and everything, the amount you're going to spend getting those printed oh, by yeah. service. Go, go to Walgreens if you're in the yeah, United States, or, or or have them, or even if do it online, have them mailed to you. Yeah. Um, you're going to be it's going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than buying a dedicated device and much more flexible because then then you decide you want a lot really large one you want one on a canvas you want one printed on glass or metal something different you can you can do all of that and they'll just ship them out to you i'm um i've heard great things about this um this fracture service that some of the tech podcasts always i've heard about it i don't know anyone who's actually used it but i've heard it's really cool yeah, and, when they print directly on the back of the glass. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, I've heard it looks amazing, but there's so many options now to have your stuff printed. But for most people, most people, and probably most people listening to this show, you just need to print out documents occasionally, probably yeah. not even once a week. And if you don't need to print documents that often, maybe it's tax season now in the United States. I've already done my taxes, thank goodness. Yeah. Um. So it's it's tax season. By the way, our our uh, our buddy whose name I could not remember, and I'm not going to say now because he gave me crap on Twitter about it. <laughs> I asked him to come on the show today, and he couldn't because he's battling a cold and he had to do his taxes. Right. And I was like, oh, that kind of that that's not fun. <laughs> but no, I'll say his name, Dan. Um, he's doing his taxes right today, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, it, I file electronically. I do it right on the web. I I don't have to print anything out. But sometimes, if you're you know your municipality may require a physical copy mailed with your signature on there. So you don't have to print all the time. Why spend a whole bunch of money on a laser or a, a big laser printer or even a somewhat cheap inkjet printer? When you could just buy the Samsung for for seventy five bucks here in the U.S. and the and the cartridge in it's probably going to last two years if you're yeah. very infrequent. The only reason that I've gone through one already is because Julie still loves doing this couponing thing, and she'll find them online and print them. That's that's ninety percent of the stuff that we print on there. Yeah, but that's it. Even a starter toner cartridge, and those things will normally do five hundred, seven hundred pages. Yeah. You know, and and you're going to be going some to get through that. I just had anyway. to print something last night. I just realized it's sitting on my laptop here. A uh, copy of my social security card and my driver's license. Now, it would look better if I would have went to the uh, inkjet printer because mm-hmm. a it would have been in color and have been a lot sharper. Uh, but for what I needed to do, I got to send this into the state of Michigan. This is kind of a cool story. Before we take our break right here, and we're kind of long to take our break, but. There was a article that I read in the local newspaper's website about property, and the property could be, you know, like anything from uh, an uncashed check all the way up to an actual piece of property, the land. Yeah. Uh, there's a website here in Michigan that you can look up your name to see if you have any unclaimed property from the state that they're holding for you. And they'll only hold it for a certain length of time before they get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Unless it's land. They'll hold land a long time. And I thought, oh, I, that's kind of interesting. So I went there and just looked up my name real quick. I had two yep. things in there. I had no idea. One of them is from Google. I have no idea what that is. It's probably like a $5 check or something. Yeah. But the other one is from some insurance company. I have no idea what it is. They won't give you any information online. You have to fill out this paperwork. It has to be um, um, a notary public. Yeah. And you have to send in proof of who you are. So that's why I had to print my Social Security card and uh, my license. But I'll probably, when I get around to it in the next couple of days, couple of weeks or whatever, go down to City Hall, have them notarize it real quick, and then send it in. It'll cost me the cost of a stamp. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? You. Very like, cool. I'm, could I'm, be, I could be. I could a be a millionaire. Right you now. don't know it. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. It's. Pro- I, I don't know. It's from an insurance company I've never heard of, that I've never done any business with. I can't imagine what that is. Now the Google. I think I remember seeing something from Google like a year ago. Uh, like, we tried to send you a check or something 
it's like five dollar AdWord check. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's what that is. And and at the time when I saw the email, I was like, I don't care. Mm. But this insurance one is kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. What could right. that be? And how long has it been floating around out there? Mm. Interesting. When I find out, I'll let you guys know here on the show. Unless it's something like really embarrassing. <laughs> then, you know, I'll pretend it never happened. But first, I have to go get it's, this notarized. It's your STD compensation. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take our, uh, a quick break. We'll be right back. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting. And I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast number 241, my longest running podcast ever. <laughs> and David's. So we love feedback. And one of the things that I had said last week, David, which I don't usually say, is... Yes, you can send us email, the show at techfanpodcast.com, or you can leave us a comment at techfanpodcast.com. But every episode of this show is also posted at mymac.com. Why? Because I own mymac.com and I'm going to promote this show in various areas. Actually, it's also posted at uh, stoplightnetwork.com. So technically, this show is on three different websites every time a new episode comes out. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can post on Facebook on our Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter. And we've got something on uh, from Twitter this week as well as a comment that Owen Rubin, uh, the occasional co-host here of TechFan, left at the MyMac.com yeah. page. So we and, and it's actually own, three. Yeah. It's three comments, but I kind three. of put them all together as to one yeah. big long one. So go for it. So um, Owen was responding uh, principally because we, we mentioned obviously last week about his injury. Um, his injury. I was telling you about that, which uh, I talked with him about the week before. His right. it, tur injury. it turns out he he was being disingenuous. It was actually a lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. he says thanks for the shout out guys yes I'm doing better mostly I start physical therapy on Monday to get range of motion back in my arm after so much time bent it no longer goes straight and now I fight, fight some nerve damage which makes my arm feel like it's on fire at times never a dull moment next time a nose job well that, that, that doesn't sound like fun no it doesn't that um, sucks man again yeah, all our listeners are rooting for you man yeah, physical therapy is hard as well because you have to do things you don't really want to do. No, and it hurts. So, I yeah. went through physical therapy. I know you did as well with yeah. with the after the car accident, mm -hmm. and I went through it with my back. Yours was a back too, right? Yeah, it did was. They, did you get the? Uh, mine was again. This was a long time ago. I was eighteen years old. I hurt my back when I tried to move something much heavier after being in a bent position in a truck for like an hour. Uh, and I was off work for like six months. It sucked. I don't think it was quite that long, but it seemed like it. And I was living with these two guys in this house that was kind of a party house. Mm -hmm. That wasn't fun either. Um, <laughs> but I had this physical therapy, and they would, um, it, and it was part of if I'm going to get the insurance money for being on disability for that short amount of time, I had to go through physical therapy. And I wanted to, anyways, because I didn't want a bad bag my whole life. And heh, guess what? I still do, kind of. Um, I had electrotherapy. Have you ever had that? Yeah, I, I, I had that for mine as well. Oh, I hated that. Did you? I, I really quite, kind of enjoyed it. They would um, put these pads on yeah. four different parts of my back, and they would stick there, and then they would send an electrical current to each pad separately. And it was really high voltage because yeah. I would sit there and go, eh, oh, eh, ah, and then it would start over, eh, oh. Oh well, that, well, the stuff I had was slightly different. Mine was like kind of like um, 
a tens machine on steroids. A what so, machine? Uh, a tens, T E N S. I don't know what that is. So well, well, basically, it's it's what um, sometimes they use them for women who are in labour for pain relief. So what it does is it sends these four pads again, but it, rather than firing off each pad at a time, it sends a charge through all of them, and it kind of makes all the muscles tingle and vibrate. And then you can you can turn it up and down, and and the idea is is that if you turn it up enough, then basically it numbs all the nerves in the area. You can't feel anything. But what they were doing with with me was basically yeah was was kind of re- relieving the uh, the pain from the injury, but also the physical therapist was using it to stimulate the muscles in that area so they would start to uh, work again. Well, that's kind of what so, they were doing with me. Yeah. It was a muscle thing. So, um, so yeah, I found it. I actually found it quite pleasant. But I, I guess everyone's response to that is being different. Maybe if I was ever tased by the police, I would probably laugh <laughs> in their face like a super super villain. <laughs> I don't know. Bounces off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back on with uh, Owens. <laughs> yeah. So on the Apple ID password thing, and we, this is when we were talking about the fact that um, I changed my password and now I'm <laughs> entering it multiple times in multiple places over and over again. I agree it's annoying, but I believe this happens because each app and service that needs it is required to store their own credentials for the Apple service connection. There is no shared data here, remember. So each app and each service that uses an Apple service requires an ID and password and has to ask for it. Normally these are spread out over time as you add an app that needs it, but when you reset the phone and then restore your apps, they all need to get permission again. And yeah, that was, I, I think I, I kind of alluded, I thought that was what was going yeah. on last week, but I think the point you and I were trying to make was that um, these devices have a secure authentication in them with the with the chip, you know, the Touch ID chip and everything. You shouldn't need to keep physically putting the password in. No, over it's ridiculous. Over it's yeah. ridiculous. And, and if you've set up, you know, Touch ID, yeah, I can. Un- I don't understand when you reboot an, a phone and you go to buy something. I'm sorry, Touch ID won't work. You have to physically put your password in again the first time yeah. after a restart. Uh, okay. I guess okay, but that's who told Apple that that's more of a, a secure form of protection than my fingerprint. No, no. What happens? The reason that happens is because when you when you do Touch ID, what you do is you you teach the sensor your fingerprint, and it, and then it takes a cryptographic hash of that fingerprint. And then it sends that to the TPM chip, the trusted module. Right. And then every time you put your finger on again, it it looks at your fingerprint and then it asks the module, is this the same fingerprint? The module just says yes or no. So the problem is is, is that effectively what happens is you're having something being stored in memory um, when the phone is on for doing that checking. When you reboot, you, you can't – you can't look inside that module it can only say yes or no so when you reboot what's in memory is lost the cache is lost and so the first time you have to ask that module again you have to provide your password to prove who you are yeah so i don't have a problem with that that's good architecture that's secure architecture this is different though we're talking about services and each time we're having to say oh here's my username and password my attitude is i've already authenticated myself to my phone yeah it should be enough every time I then, you know, go to a new service, if it's iCloud, it's iTunes, if it's, you know, my calendar connection, whatever it is that needs my password over Uh-oh. and over again, Uh-oh. I should be Uh-oh. able to say, for permission to get credentials to Apple services, and you still want a password required there. No, I, I, yeah, as I said, I understand, but, um, and he says, not sure I see a way to correct this without compromising security. If you've got the module there that allows you to do fingerprint ID, then there should be a way of making it more convenient. And the other thing as well is perhaps they could re- rebuild their architecture so that each individual stream of data doesn't need to keep re-authenticating, which is, is, is the annoying thing. And then he says, uh, just an FYI, Chrome, if logged onto your Google account, syncs browsing nicely across devices, just saying, because we were talking about issues. Well, that's why I, I, I probably didn't make that clear last week, but that's why I use Chrome, because... Yeah. My bookmarks are synced across all platforms, and you could see what I have open on one machine on another via Chrome. It will tell yeah. me. It's like, oh, you've got this open on this. Do you, I, I can open it up on my iPhone on Chrome. That's see, why, I, and it works perfectly, unlike freaking Safari. 
yeah, I, I would be tempted to do that, but the, the thing is, I, I like the being able to move between my iOS and Mac, and um, you can't do that with Chrome without using the Chrome browser on iOS, which isn't as good. I think it is. I disagree. Yeah. I think the Chrome browser is better now on iOS than Safari is. But it's still, the, the, the issue is you can't make it the default browser, so you still end up in Safari at times. That's, that's, it's those are the, the bits of friction that I find annoying with Chrome. And, and I know that's not. Well, that's not a. That, no, don't, you can't say you're annoyed with Chrome because that's an Apple thing. That's the. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I know it's out. Apple's fault. No, yeah. it's not Google's fault. Yeah. yeah. But um, he says, thanks for the update on, on Safari. I just quit using it that day. This is when it went down last week. Yep. Uh, glad to know it was not my crappy network. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for the feedback, Owen. Uh, we need to get you back on the show. I am planning on being here on TechFan. Uh, every episode for the foreseeable future. Uh, unless I well, get yeah, I'm traveling to I'm traveling to uh, the states next Friday, um, so so I definitely won't be here next week. So Owen, so, I know you're listening yeah. to this. Come on the show with me next week. Maybe we can get our uh, our podcast digest buddy Dan to come on too. That'd be a fun show. The three of us. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. And I promise I won't make you do any jumping jacks or you know anything <laughs> like that, Owen. Uh, we do have some news, but we are actually kind of running long in the show uh, to get too much into these. Um, mm-hmm. But we did get an email from uh, Nathan Bargate. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say that town's name. Aberystwyth. Yes, there's an no Aberystwyth way. man. This is a man in Wales. A- so, say it Aberystwyth. again. Aberystwyth. Aberystwyth. Okay, Aberystwyth. I got That's where the Dark Tower was located, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's still there. So the yeah. Eye of Sauron is located yeah. in Abrathma. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I can't say it. I'm stupid. Um, yeah, anyway, he wind, it, He won a, um Apple Watch warranty court battle. Yeah. Um, well, now, this is a small case, by the way. Small, this, small yeah, claims. This is small, small case, small claims court. So, basically what happened, um, and, and this is one of these things where you read it, and if you know the industry and the device in particular you read the story and you think is this just lousy reporting or is there more to this than's not necessarily being being let on but the, really to summarize what happened was um the guy bought an apple watch and uh about a week after he had it he ten, noticed 10 it days yeah, he, he noticed it was cracked the glass was cracked and so he went into apple and he said my glass is cracked can you give me a new uh, watch and they said no because you cracked it um, that's not what happened he went into the store to get it repaired and they said it was going to cost him money to repair it no, well yeah basically he went in wanting the free repair under warranty and they said no you cracked it so you got to pay because he obviously presumably didn't have apple care plus so um he went small claims court to try and get his money back and he won yep because Which- it clearly says in Apple's advertising for this, it's resistant to scratching. Well, here's where it got muddy, the whole story. For a start, he said he bought the Sport Watch because he thought from the advertising that that was the one that had the most scratch and crack resistant screen. But that's not the case. It's the because it's the steel and and the and the um, the upper end watches that have the sapphire glass that's the one that really doesn't break right but that's sport that's watch. a bad that's bad on apple's part because if something's called sport i assume that means it's for someone that's going to be active that's going to be out doing things thus you want a scratch resistant phone because you're active so this is the yeah, sport model that's not what it is there's a difference between scratching and breaking though yeah. Also, as well, if, if you read this story, he this guy said, "Oh, well, I I bought the one that was more crack resistant because I know, you know, everyone knows that I always break my stuff all the time." Yeah, and sure enough, he broke it. He had to watch ten days, and then he broke it, and then he went to Apple saying, "Oh, it's not my fault; it's yours." <laughs> so I take I, it by your reaction, you're you're a little mystified that he won his court case. I am. I I don't I don't understand how he won his case because in in my understanding of Apple's advertising, from what I've seen, it's always been very clear in my mind that the higher end ones are the ones that are going to be more resistant to damage because of the type of glass they use. Yeah, uh, but see, there's no, there's no, it's not clear. Thing I've ever read in the it's, in the, it's not clear. If you look at the ads. As a just a regular consumer, not a, a tech a 
person like you and I are, I would assume, and I think, honestly, it's what I said. I, I think it would be easily assumed that a sport model would be more resistant to accidental damage or scratching because it's more for the active lifestyle where it would become scratched. If you're going to call something sport, I mean... I, I think the, the, the this is the other issue here is that the, it the story doesn't explain what actually went on in court, but there's, there's been this conflation of scratching and cracking. Mm-hmm. They're two different things. Hardness is is what is what causes uh, resistance to scratching, whereas brittleness is, is what causes resistance to cracking. His his watch wasn't scratched; it was cracked, and it, Apple said the only way you can crack it is by bashing on it and if you bash on it that's on you dude and the court didn't agree and I don't understand why they didn't agree hmm. you know I, I, I'm, I, I have an Apple watch it has no marks on the screen whatsoever exactly the same model as he got it's got a mark on the case where I did bang it once but not on the glass it doesn't scratch but I know if I hit it hard enough it will crack just like your phone will most iPhones. It's the, in fact, the glass on the on the sport watch is virtually the same as the stuff on the iPhone. It's they call it INX glass. It's like Gorilla Glass. We all know it doesn't scratch very easily, but if you drop the phone, it will break. We all know that. You'd have to be. This an had idiot. a hairline crack. This is this is a hairline crack initially. It's a crack. Yeah, not a scratch. It's a crack. Yeah. And the only way you crack glass is by hitting it hard. And so Apple said, you've hit the watch hard. It's not meant to do that. You're not meant to do that. So it's not a design flaw. It's you hitting it. And that's why they didn't honor his warranty. Mm. I don't know. know? I'm torn, man. If he won his court case, and you know Apple fought this because he said that they did. Yep. How how did he win it then? Well, I don't know. It's interesting. It's small claims court. It's, it's bad reporting. Ju- Absolutely. It's, yeah, the, the reporting sucks. That's part of the problem. Yeah, they didn't give any real yeah. good details. They, but, but the story is basically, oh, this guy had an Apple Watch that was uh, broken. Apple didn't want to fix it. He sued him and won. Yeah. Small claims court is not a jury. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a judge. You know, it's a, it's a. I don't think it's even a judge. I think it's a magistrate. Okay. So this is effectively a, a, a guy who's a volunteer. Yep. Yeah, who does this a few days a month, right? So I don't know how the the case was presented, but the fact that one um, legal official decided that his case was warranted for the cost of a few hundred pounds is not indicative of, you know, kind of precedent-setting case law or anything like that. Hmm? You know, so... I uh, I, 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 I say good for him. Well, good for him for getting what he wanted, but you know what? The guy (laughs) comes across as... uh, you know, I don't think he comes across very well as somebody who had a legitimate complaint. I, I don't think it's good if you turn around and say, oh, well, I break all my stuff all the time, and then I bought yeah, this stuff. Yeah, that was pretty idiotic. <laughs> I bought the one because I thought it wouldn't break because that's what they said, and it broke. And I'm I'm a clumsy bastard. I break all my shit. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, at yeah. that point, I started going, really? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's from Aberystwyth. Love you guys. <laughs> Just be careful if you're there, because that's where the eye of Sauron is, I think. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other, interesting. There's other breakage stories going on with the Apple products, though. Yeah, Error 50. This is like the Apple episode here. Printers and Apple. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, apparently if you go to a third-party vendor to have your screen replaced or your touch ID sensor replaced... Uh, and then you upgrade to the latest version of iOS 9, you can get a weird error uh, uh, that bricks your phone. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you and know, it's again, a security measure. It is. I, I completely understand it. I do, too. You know, I thought maybe you put that in there because shame on Apple for doing this. But uh, I read so, it, and I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, this, otherwise, this someone could steal a phone, simply yeah. replace the, the ID sensor on it, the, the button, basically, and then they could unlock it. Well, or, no, or you can't. Even worse, look at what what uh, all the Snowden revelations, everything going on about. Yeah, people have been concerned that uh, governments have technical means to get into these phones that are very highly secure, 
And this just proves that Apple, if if they see something that looks fishy about the phone, then the iOS, the iOS just turns around and say, you know what, guys, this isn't right. And, I mean, it should say something clearer than error fifty three. Yes. Um, and and you know it sucks for people who've well for, I I feel I feel bad for people whose phones are in warranty and they've gone and done this to try and save some money and then they found they break the phone. I mean and these then, phones are expensive, man. It's but yeah, and when they then go back to Apple, Apple says, "Well, you had a third party repair. There's not very much we can do." That's tough. Um, some of the stories I've read are people who said, "Well, you know, look, I was." I was in um, – there was one who said he was an aid worker in Africa or something, and he dropped his phone and broke it. And, and But effectively, there are no Apple stores where he was. He had to go to an independent vendor. And then when he got back, uh, updated his phone, and it bricked it, and he went into Apple. They went, oh, well, you know, you didn't have an authorized repair. That's tough. That is very tough. There's always going to be edge cases, and, th- and those are the places where you hope the Apple uh, store manager exercises a bit of prudent discretion. Yes. But, you know, I, I do – you know, once once the phone is out of warranty, Apple does not owe you anything if you go and take it to somebody else to have it fixed. Particularly if you then compromise the security of the device. Yep. The reason I put it in here is because the the tone of the reporting is very much along the lines of, oh, Apple's doing something wrong here. Which is why I said, oh, it looks like there's another gate brewing, error 53 gate. Error 53 is apparently the area you get when this, when this happens. Um, so we'll see how this one pans out, but I, you know, I, I think in this case, Apple is doing exactly what they've always said. They said, you know, we prize the security of these devices pretty highly. I, I, I understand why it happens, but I don't think Apple's doing anything wrong here. No. So I think we'll save the other one for another show because I think it's a longer episode for that topic, David. Yeah. So let's let's keep that on oh, the. Uh, and, and I wanted to say as well, um, shout out to uh, to BJ Rowland, who's a regular contributor. He raised something with me a few weeks ago about content um, blocking and and uh, JavaScript blocking on the web. Yeah. And I I promised him at the time. I said, you know, I'd seen the same article he raised. I said we will talk about this on the show, and we haven't got to it yet. Well, but I will put in the show notes for our next episode that we're together. So like two weeks from now. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm I'm down for that. And send me a link to the article if you can as well, oh, well if you do, can find yeah, it, it really because good. yeah, I'm I'm definitely yeah. interested in that. Um, another topic that I do want to talk about in uh, some upcoming episodes, and we'd really like to hear feedback from you guys on this. I think this would be uh, kind of opening it up to to the listeners somewhat. Is what older tech? Do you think it is kind of worth saving, kind of either bringing it back to stock or modifying it somehow to make it kind of worthwhile? Now, I do a little bit of this already, David, with my arcade stuff, Mm -hmm. but I've noticed more than a couple times in the last few months on Facebook anyways, people posting pictures of like old Macs that they've gutted and they've put in the guts from like a brand new Mac mini. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not restoring, it's modifying something. Yeah. But I, I kind of like the idea of taking retro tech at the very least, the shell of something and making it something new, modern, usable again. Because in a lot of respects, and as much as we want to praise companies like Apple, who's doing a great job with industrial design, i got to be honest, David, most of the, the stuff that I think is the coolest isn't stuff that's new now. It's it's retro stuff. You know, yeah. I, I still think the original iMac is a beautiful design. Um, I, I like the uh, lampshade iMac, for instance. Arcade machines, I love the way they look with the lit up signs and I just love these things the, the artwork yeah. on the side I like retro tech so I want to start looking at more retro tech type of stuff either restoring something to original condition and I know you do a lot of that David Yeah. or taking something that's old and making it new again so if you're listening to this and you're into that subject at all Kick us an email. Uh, leave a, 
a comment on the Facebook or the websites. Uh, let us know of any projects that you've seen that you think is really cool that you should bring to our attention. Or if you're thinking about doing something, hey, I've got this old Mac Plus. What's some ideas that you guys might have or your listeners might have what I could do with this machine other than an aquarium? Um, I, I think this would be a fun topic if we kind of hit on this occasionally, David. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I mean, we kind of already do, but making it more of a, an, an annual, well, not annual, uh, a regular thing on the show. It'd be fun. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of TechFan. Once again, we'd love to get feedback from you. The show at techfanpodcast.com. You can go to our Twitter page, which is at techfanpodcast, or our Facebook page, which is techfanpodcast. Imagine that. And one of the three websites that we leave show notes, which is techfanpodcast.com, mymac.com, and stoplightnetwork.com. You can leave comments on any of those three websites. I guarantee I'll see them because I happen to manage all those pages. <laughs> I'll, I'll see them. And uh, we, uh, we'd love to hear back from you. Your feedback, your comments, your questions, just make the show better. So. Write the, the email address down on the dust on your dashboard as you're driving down the, the highway. The show at techfanpodcast.com. And I'll be back next week with somebody. Um, maybe Dan, maybe Owen, maybe both of them. And in two weeks, right? You'll be back in two weeks? Uh, so in two weeks, I'll still be in Florida. So we'll have to just, it just depends on what my, um, internet connectivity availability is. That's just Florida. So I'm I'll, in Michigan. You can always drive up for that morning <laughs> yeah. and we can do the show and then get back down there with your family. Yeah, if I leave early enough, it should be yeah. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you're going to be in Orlando, right? No, we're, we're actually staying in Palm beach. I'm staying with my folks. Ooh, la di da. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, We'll probably go out to Orlando for a day, I guess. Yeah, well, jump on a plane. It's only a two-hour flight. If you get the early one, you could probably land in Detroit around 11. And that's about the time that we do the show anyways. Okay. So you land well, at 11. I'll, I'll just meet you there. Yeah, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll go out to the car. It'll be a little cold, so bring a coat. All right, I'll turn <laughs> on the car. It'll be warm. Uh, we'll record the show in the car. Take about an hour, hour and a half. Let's just say two hours so we, you can have lunch afterwards. Okay. You're back on the plane by two. You're landing there at four. You're back with your family by five. They probably won't notice me going. I it's it's were you in the bathroom the whole time, Dad? <laughs> Should, I, I I don't see an issue, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, all right, you feeling okay? You were in there for quite a while. Yeah. All right, with that we're gonna wrap up the show. See you later, David. <laughs> <laughs>